Welcome to the Banter Club. Join myself, Mark, along with T.Y., Jackie, and Mahal as we talk all things sport. We will definitely trash your team, and if you don't like it, we'll definitely tell you your favorite footballer is a tax evader. Join us every week on the Banter Club. gentlemen ladies gentlemen boys girls wherever you are uh welcome to it once again it is another episode of the banter club with myself ty aka with broadway i never roll alone though i'm with mark mark how you doing man i'm good how are you guys <laughs> i was expecting a different reply but it's all good <laughs> we've got how in the building how are you doing man i'm good how are you doing Oh man, I'm amazing, I'm amazing, I'm amazing. And we have a, uh, a guest joining us today. He goes by the name of Yorulu Koshe. Um, if you don't know who that is, he is an award-winning sports journalist and he's a freelance writer. Uh, and I, if I, I, correct, I stand to be corrected, but I think his uh, speciality stands to be rugby and uh, football. But everybody knows him as Yoza. How are you doing, bro, bro? Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Ah, oh, no, man, it's absolutely beautiful to have you. So as an icebreaker, what we normally do is uh, we have a young, uh, uh, a quiz, just so that you can, uh, you know, break the ice. So who would you like to take on between Mark, Una, and Mohal? Probably Mohal, because <laughs> he invited <laughs> me, so. <laughs> yeah. Mohal, are you ready? Are you sure? Don't you want to change? Are you sure? Sure, 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 sure. No, man, I'm not scared at all. Let's go for it. <laughs> oh, hell. Okay. Sergisa. Sergisa, Joe, you're representing an entire podcast. Please, Mahal, please. <laughs> I was, I was okay. trying to run away. <laughs> all right, so, so the rules are very simple. You just shout your name, and uh, you say the answer. If you get it wrong, we hand it over to the next guy. It's five simple, easy questions about rugby. And uh, yeah, just shout your name after you hear the question, and then we we you can answer the question. Are we all good, gents? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Let me start it off nice and easy. First question: What is the name of the Rugby World Cup trophy? Yoza. Yoza. The Web Ellis Trophy. Mm, correct. Correct. Absolutely correct. Mahal Shapuju. I'm still here. I'm still here. Okay, cool stuff. Cool stuff. Let's make it a little bit more complex now. Now, the Six Nations comprises of six teams. Six nations. Which are those six nations? Yoza. Yoza. England, Italy, Wales, France, Scotland, and um, uh, yo, 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 yo. why is this nation escaping me now? <laughs> oh, my word. Island. There we go. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. It happens to be, uh, yeah, those six nations. 
All right, question number three. Where's the next World Cup in 2023 going to be held? Yoza. Yo, Mahau, are you still alive? <laughs> Yoza, go for it, man. What's the answer? Uh, France. Correct. Once again. Mm. Question number four. How <laughs> um, oh, come on, bro? <laughs> Question number four. Who was the last team to win the female World Cup in 2020? Let me try and guess. Um, could it be... Um, uh, I'll go for New Zealand. Incorrect. You also want to give it a shout? England? Correct. Oh, hell. Oh. <laughs> that was a guess all night. <laughs> okay, the last one. Which tier one side have never reached the quarterfinals of a World Cup? Mohau. Mohau? Um, Japan? Incorrect. Yoza? Scotland? Incorrect. I'm going to give you a one try oh. each. Mahau, please save that. Save that, CHE. Chief. Um, uh, Mahau, you need to take Kenya. one to the team. Kenya. It's Italy. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. I'll give a point to the yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Yo. Hey. Hey, Rale, Mark. Yo. Yo. Four one loss. Oh, yeah. I think that's the worst score I've ever had so far. I am always number representing the podcast in any game show. <laughs> but guys, it's not your choice. Remember, the guest has to choose. Uh, it will not the guest no Mohau. <laughs> I no, this is yeah, this is terrible. All right, Mohau, let's kick start it off, man. Um, you've got the guest. Let's go. Yep. Uh, I mean, Yule, uh, let's talk about um the squad that was announced uh, recently. The the Springboks uh, um, squad, and I think we have. I've almost eight players who have uh, unkept players. Uh, what's your take on the um, new guys who are coming in for to represent the country? Um, you know, I think first and foremost, a lot of those players are players that have been knocking on the door for quite some time. Players that the country has been calling for. If you look at if you look at a player like Joseph Dweber before he left the country, many were concerned that it could spell um, him playing for France. So. To have him in the squad is is a big plus. Apparently, fast almost every week people are calling for him to be a Springbok, you know. Um, so so those two, a lot of people would be happy about. Uh, Roscoe Speckman as well. Uh, he's he's a player that's performed very well in 15s rugby. So many would say that uh, it's a belated call, but probably the right one. And then you look at players who are more surprises in terms of the public. A player like Yao Benga. Uh, and a player like Nicholas um, Jansuf and Rensburg, you know. But other than those, other than that, I think those two players also have the qualities that they will bring to the squad. A lot of people asking questions about Xiao Ping. I think he's a very solid player who won't let you down. Uh, and I don't know too much about Nicholas. Um, there isn't much about him. Actually, I, coincidentally, I found out about him on the Thursday just before the squad announcement. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can offer as well. So yeah. Mm. 
I mean, for someone who doesn't know anything about rugby, will would ask or what? Why? Why do we have to change? What do we have to get new guys? I mean, I mean, looking at um, the previous squad that won the World Cup in 2019, um, can't we use the same guys that we used um, during that World Cup? Why do we have to bring in new guys? So, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think you know they they're trying to stick uh, to that formula as much as possible which is commendable, seeing as though there hasn't been any rugby for the Springboks since they won the World Cup in 2019. So if you're looking at the makeup yeah. of the squad, Jock, Nainaba and, and Rassi are trying to stick to as many squad members of that uh, victorious World Cup winning side. They have had to make a few adjustments because, you know, uh, a lot can happen in a space of almost two years. Lots of players will put their hands up and want and warrant a bit of reward. Uh, like the Roscoe Spikemans and the new caps we, we were speaking about just now, you know. So I think the, the mission was to to keep the squad as, as, as similar to that as possible. But also at the same time, the reason for change is just to give hope to players, to tell them, look, we will reward form. And um, I think most importantly is looking at the ages of the players, looking at players and their cycle. So when it comes to rugby, it's a cycle game. It's every four years. So you work yeah. towards the next step, you know. So you look at players and say, how far can they go? And then you look at a player, for instance, like Dwayne for Newland, he might not make it to the next World Cup. So you have to have players in the squad that can carry through um, his, his role going into uh, the World Cup after this British and Irish Lions tour. So I think that's the main reason. Really. <clears throat> And I mean, we've got Jagnina leading the, the the squad. Do we know anything about him? Yeah, he's caused a bit of division. <laughs> his history is is a bit uh, sketchy, to say the least, in terms of his coaching. So by profession, he's a physio, believe it or not. So uh, he got into coaching because of he he has got he's got a very good um, relationship with Rusty Rasmus. So he used to follow him as his physical with every union he's been to, Western province, uh, talking the cheaters way back. All right, you know? now... Um, anyway, hmm? did, did someone say something? Uh, I think we might have lost two other. You can continue. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he, he's, he's, a, he's a physio by trade, but then he got into coaching as a backline coach, and that's how he made his name. He was a very uh, solid backline coach. He was... he. he he did a good job with Western Province and the Storms, and that sort of launched his career. And then um, his role with Rassi at the World Cup has probably put him in good stead um, to, to be the coach. And it's all about continuity. A lot of people are saying Rassi is still the, the coach, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's about continuity, man. And we'll see what he can do. Let's, let's give him a chance. Can he continue what Rassi has started? It's, 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 it's hard to say. But I think because they they are so in tune, that the chemistry is there. They've been at the same unions, both in South Africa and with Munster and Ireland. So they know what the one thinks. They 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 literally share rugby brain if that's even possible. But you you get the impression that nothing has changed um, in terms of the the thinking in the camp. Uh, oh. So it shouldn't be that hard then to continue that. Maybe he might even want to surprise everybody and put his own image on, on the team, which might be a bit risky. So we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, we might have to wait and see for that one. Now, uh, the Springbok hooker, Marks, has said that there's no fear uh, of facing the Lions, the British and Irish Lions. Now, as a Springbok fan, should I be stressed? Should I be worried? Should I be scared? What should I be thinking at this point in time? I think mainly the concerns of a Springbok supporter will come from the fact that uh, the Springboks haven't played, you know, in, 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 since the World Cup. When you're looking at uh, the, a lot of every one of those players in the British and Irish Lions side has played uh, six nations, played that that they had a tournament in the winter where they invited teams like Fiji as well. So they've played a lot of right, a lot of right belt, and that's going to be an advantage I think to them. But for South Africa, we've also come in and had our own domestic rugby being played. To our advantage, we've got a lot of overseas-based players been playing almost at the same time when the uh, the British and Irish Lions players started playing rugby last year. So we've countered that a bit. And in South Africa, our domestic rugby has also taken played a lot of tournaments. So the chemistry is it's all about being ready. Those big games, those games against Georgia, the two tests are going to be massive for momentum. And for and just for the guys to 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 yeah. get in tune again. So yeah, I don't think we should panic too much as long as we get back to our first try. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, um, I think Tua also raised the issue of being worried. No, I mean, uh... certain players. So the question is, um, are we likely to see them? them mentally ready i mean because i mean since the world cup we had the pandemic which we are still within it so are, are those players mentally ready i mean we talk about the likes of uh, Mornestein who are coming in with more than 50 caps the likes of Eben Isabel and the, the likes of Don Farmielen are they going to take the leadership and lead those younger players uh, when it comes to the two test matches that we're going to play before the Aria, British Irish, Irish Lion um, tour yeah, look, the, that's a that's a very good question. Actually, you, know, you can't ignore um, the effects of, of that pandemic and and what it does mentally. But I think you know, like you say, those players, very very experienced campaigners, they've faced many challenges. I mean, obviously, no one has had to deal with a pandemic like this before, you know, so it's new to them as well. That's when you call on the on that experience. That's when you call on. You know, those calm shoulders that they have. Probably the main reason why a player like Moni Stein gets a call ahead of a young player. That sort of tells you how important this tournament is. You know, you're not taking chances, not taking any risks. You're going to go yeah. with the guys that are tested, you know. So that's a leadership core that you just mentioned there. A lot will be expected from them by by, by Jock and Rossi. And um, I don't think mentally they'll be in that pandemic space anymore because they've played so much rugby for almost a year now. And I think they were just expecting to, to get, they were just chopping at the pitch, you know, and wanting to fire again, you know, and mm. those two games, see, see, uh, and, you know, showing up the game. I don't know, man. I'm 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 a bit nervous, especially after what happened to to the Bulls in the Rainbow Cup final. Hey, 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 yeah. hey, that was crazy. And I mean, how much, how much weight does that loss um have on? us on the, the Springboks going into the British and Irish Lions tour. I mean, the Bulls losing by such a margin, it's shocking for, to everybody, man. Yeah, look, um, to be honest with you, not, you can't read too much into that because <clears throat> none of those players playing for the Bulls are part of the top four to six players in the country. Um, you, you might even argue that if the Bulls had Morning Stain, Trevor Nyagani, the guys with the Springboks right now, then the complexion of the game might have changed. 
people need to take into context that Ben Benton had all of their players, you know, while we do well, mm. you know, the players from outside, you know, the Bulls uh, representing South Africa didn't have, you know, crucial players. So that's another aspect. But the, the core that's been called up by, by, by Rossi is complete, by Jock, sorry, is completely different. So often, so I think those two can mutually exist. We can still be hopeful. Yeah. Um, okay. Nice. Me, um, I just want to find out your your opinion. Do you think um, you've seen Sia has enjoyed quite a successful uh, commercial side of things for the last year and a bit? Um, do you mm-hmm. think that's going to be a bit of a distraction come um, when when they come up against the? Uh, the lines in the in the coming tour. Do you think all that success might be a hindrance to him? You've all seen that all the Springbok players who have appeared on top billing in the past have gone <laughs> on to just trash them. <laughs> so, is going down that road in a post top billing era? That's a good question, man. Because that you know during last year when CS4 was suffering again, a lot of a lot of people pointed to his success off the pitch. But I honestly am not of that impression that it did affect him. I do not think that Sia is going to, to make adverts while it's time to train, you know. So I think a lot of Sia's problems have been injury-based, not the fact that he's been uh, pillar to post. I mean, maybe that will um, play a slight role, but I don't think it's responsible for any, you know, for, for all of his team, um loss of form, many might say, in his performances. But I think now he's had a good run uh, of games, you know, for, for the Sharks. Not necessarily top form, but just getting fitness. So I think that's the first step we see. And um, I think after that, we have to trust the mentality of a player like him. You know, his captain has been to a World Cup stage. He wasn't 100% fit there as well, but he pulled through. So let's hope for more of the same in the series. Yeah, we can definitely hope for that. Now, just to check off a little bit um early in the year rock nation announced the partnership with the sharks and i mean sia is signed to rock nation what exactly is that partnership we are rock nation and the sharks please just balance us there well the 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 one of the the the, the guys that uh is part of a group called the mvm Holdings, which has acquired a majority stake of the sharks you know, is is associated with the member of Rock Nation Sports Network. So the guy, the associate, he is the man that handed Sia Golisi a bursary from the township to Gray, where he became, uh, where he got the opportunity to become the player he is. So that particular relation in itself played a pivotal role to get Sia from... Um, from the Stormers in Western Province to the Sharks. Now, what's important to note is that the same mm. group wanted to take over the Stormers first, right? But the Stormers rejected that. And then that many people say that upset Sia. And then Sia jumped ship and followed the people from Iraq Nation because of his familiarity, familiarity with them. So a lot of what the Rock Nation and Sharks partnership is about is building a brand from the Sharks, not just a rugby team, making them a global brand. Sia, you know all about Sia now. When you're the first black uh, World Cup winning captain, you're you're a global figure. So it's all about those images. It's all about, you know, the the being 
a, a successful partnership is a huge global brand. Uh, and that's why a lot of people are concerned about Sia as a rugby player now. You know, like like the question I was just asked now, all of these off-field commitments. Yeah, well, so I think basically that's the partnership with the Sharks and, and Rock Nation. They're trying to become more than just rugby. And Sia is a huge symbol of that right now. Hey, it sounds like a whole lot of meddling in the boardroom there. Hey, oh no. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, honestly, I honestly feel like, see, my honest opinion, I feel like CS decision yeah. was, uh, to move to the Sharks was impacted by everything you just said now. It's, it's a whole lot of yeah. boardroom shandices that made him move there. And I mean, doesn't it kind of play into the, 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 the fact that if you own a sports uh, a franchise, you can't own an agency as well? Because I mean, it kind of does influence the players, you know? Like, it, there's a bit of meddling there, wouldn't you say? From the boardroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Decision. Look, let, let's be honest. It, it, it's more than rugby, um, and um, there's there is meddling. There's no there's no way around that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, like I said, it's all about that that imagery, you know. But then the way that you spin it at the same time is that you see, won the World Cup, so he's still a player of quality, so you can't ignore him. But then we 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 know that it's beyond that. Yeah. The question that you ask is, is valid, you know what I'm saying? If you know the associate is favorable towards this player, then what happens to me if I'm competing with the C? Yeah. Mm. It, it's all valid. And to point that out, I was actually going to write an article um, about the, the Sharks just signed. right? And mm. before I could write that article, and funny enough, because I was going to write an article stating that he's moved to the Sharks as more than rugby, right? Mm. And then two days later, I see a post about Bonambi saying he moved to the Sharks because they want to use, they want to help him with his outside ventures. So how crazy is that, you know? Wow. What you're saying is, is real. And I could sense that as well. Mm. Another, 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 another quick example, Osmungo, uh, he's also signed to Rock Nation. They asked him on um, fresh fresh ground on 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 Channel O. I just happened to be watching, and they asked him about that deal. And what's important to take from his answer for joining Rock Nation is says that they are willing to support his music industry dreams. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, so you're onto something. You're onto something. You know, all of these deals are boardroom and not necessarily just right. But is that the future of sport? Um, you know, uh, sports men, women, more than just players, a brand, and all of that. Maybe they're taking us into a different era altogether. You know what I'm saying? So maybe they're onto something. Maybe we just need to catch up. You never know. But yeah, I think- no, no. Look, I, 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 I also agree with um, with what you're saying. That um, I think, I think it's it's time rugby. I think rugby and to a large extent cricket, they've they've kind of been stuck in the traditions that they have. And they need to move into a new era whereby um, these sports players, they, their personalities, you need to know them beyond just the rugby field. And that's how you make money because people fall in love with the player. They don't necessarily fall in love with just the sport. And you also open yes. yourself up to a wider market of people who, who love, like, for example, reality TV. I mean, I remember David Beckham when he when he, he came out with the, with, the, with the funky hairstyles. I mean... Yeah. That changed football, and I think rugby needs to move in that direction, whereby the personalities on the field become so large that they actually um, are very profitable. But in saying that as well, 
um, how, how do we take South African rugby to the world? Or how do we take rugby to make it a global sport? Because right now, rugby is predominantly in like less than 10% of the world. So how do we grow rugby? And we're speaking about the Rock Nation deal and, and so forth. But how do we take rugby and make it a global sporting code, quite like football? I think, you know, a lot of the reasons why rugby is is is, is probably, you know, associated to certain nations, like you say. If you look at all the other nations that are left out of that, and you're looking at the population and what those countries' main sport is, a lot of the population gravitates towards a certain sport, which in most cases is football. Um, so you need to look at governments within those those countries, you know, and how they are able to to promote the sport. You know, now the question is, how does the IRB, you know, which is the the, the governing body of rugby, start to introduce you know, uh, sort of, you know, platforms where kids from grassroots get to experience rugby. Yeah, what I'm saying is, is similar to high school. My, pri- my primary school is connected to the high school that I went to. At primary, we had to, I played soccer and rugby. So when I go to the, the college, which is the high school, the, rag- the soccer falls away and it's just rugby. The explanation they have is that they don't want too many sports taking away from the talent pool that plays rugby. So maybe this it's a similar policy if you go to countries like Brazil who are starting to play rugby and, and other nations which you associate more with rugby. Um, having more tier three competitions, you know, playing the likes of Germany, Brazil, getting them introduced. Nigeria is playing rugby as well, you know. So I think having more of those tournaments having more top-tier nations like South Africa, New Zealand, England. We need to play our role. We need to visit these countries. We need to do more work within our continent. We need to visit Nigeria. We need to visit Uganda, all of those countries, host clinics, make those people from, make the young, make the youngsters in those countries enthusiastic about the sport. And that's how we can grow it on our side. But I think that question is more towards the IRB and how they want to grow their sport in all the countries. Yeah. So yeah, but it's it's, it's a tricky one um, because it, it it involves changing the whole mentality that's historic in countries. Yeah, so not a lot of people is, would associate Nigeria with rugby. So imagine telling a young kid from Nigeria to put down the soccer ball and try to be a rugby player. You might be asked more than a few questions about that. So how do you change his mentality? I think more clinics and them seeing Springboks doing what they do can help. I think. That, that's that's my mm-hmm. full answer. Facts, man. But you said you played soccer. How good were you? In which position did you play? Hey, I was I, hey, I, I was I was, I was vice captain of my at the third and eighth line, uh, and I played in the midfield. Uh, I was in the cent- I was on the right of a midfield three, and I was known for my through balls at the time. Those, those were pretty trademark. So I would say I was fairly decent. <laughs> yeah, I was. Fairly I will decent. test you. We should have a Benta Club Cup. Everybody that comes here and says they were good at football, you must come through to the Benta Club Cup when we host it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I might I might have to catch up on the fitness, but I still back the touch here and there. So we'll <laughs> we got you. Now talking about um development, how is grassroots um rugby in South Africa at the moment? What is how's rugby doing in the development phases right now in South Africa? 
I think, you know, when it comes to our development, we rely a lot on the schools, which, you know, then it's problematic on one side, because, for instance, I went to a particular school, which is very resourceful, you know, for for a young kid who wants to further himself in rugby. It's one of the top schools in the country when it comes to rugby. And then you obviously going to get an advantage uh, as per se when you compare to a guy that goes to a local school in the township, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So I think I think we're relying a lot yeah. on, on, on historically good schools to develop our players and that automatically excludes a lot of the players. I got asked a few yes. questions about the, the Craven Week side from my region, which is the border region in the Eastern Cape. And somebody asked me a good question. It's like, um, why does this team comprise only of school uh, mo- former Model C schools players? What about the kid who wears a yellow T-shirt from a township school? What about his dreams? Are you telling me there's not even one player that's good enough to make the team? So a lot of our res- a lot of our development goes according to who's got the better resources. That is how teams are picked. And unfortunately, when you go to a tournament like Craven Week, it does come to, to, to fruition the mm-hmm. fact that when you put a player from a well-developed school against a guy from a township school, the, the, the guys from the well-developed school usually win by yeah. this. So we need to find a way to make uh, a, a development, uh, you know, more inclusive. And, you know, uh, I don't know how that's possible because a lot of that goes to schools. You can't build schools overnight. We've seen that with our government. And, yeah, the best way our development is now is more about which school you went to. That would give you the, the best chance to get into an academy and further your life. Because... Mm. Okay, but now the question I, I have is, like, you look at things like uh, rugby, right? They're busy winning. South Africa's winning the Rugby World Cup. But in football... Oh, hi, it's tricky. <laughs> How do we translate that success from rugby? I'm going to say cricket because we are up there. We haven't won the World Cup, but we're up there. Yeah, How do we translate yeah. that success to to um, to football? You see, football for me, I think we won't go anywhere until we sort out our administration. Our the, that That's the first thing. I think mm. the difference between rugby, even, even, even cricket, when yeah. the turmoil started in the boardroom, it showed with the results. When everything was in unison in the boardroom, the pro tiers were number one in every format. You know what I'm saying? We're competitive in every format in every tournament. So the, I've never heard of, of too many controversies within the South African rugby board. But when it comes to, to, to SAFA, there's always a complaint about Danny Jordan not being competent. There's always this scandal. There's always that, you know, and that's translating to our football. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of, and with rugby, a lot of these players that we get that go on to become successful rugby players for the Springboks, they come from the schools that I've just mentioned. Those schools don't, many of those schools uh, are still not uh, open to the idea of having football compete with rugby. So maybe yeah. that's another thing. How does, how does SAFA come on board and tell those schools, we need you guys to come on board and help us, you know? We need those resources, the, the rugby resources, to spill over to soccer. Maybe that can help us. But for me, I still believe that we need a change at the top. Danny Jordan has been there since the 90s. Uh, we haven't won anything because he joined just after 96. 
So we haven't won anything after that. Uh, and you have to ask yourself, from the from the moment he joined in 97 to 2021 now, mm. hasn't football changed? You know what I'm saying? Are his methods still relevant now? And I don't think they are because, you know, the proof is in the pudding, unfortunately. Mm. And talking about um, administration, my uh, concern or my question right now will be based on transformation. And um, I would like us to look at it on both, uh, on two sides of this thing, this uh, word transformation. The first one will be black uh, players. And of course, the second one will be the transformation we're looking at um, different regions or different provinces. Because you mean, if you look at the Springbok team, you could tell that majority of the players, not even the Springbok team, but majority of the teams which are based in South Africa, most of the players who are succeeding could uh, mostly from Eastern Cape, and you have some players uh, from uh, Limpopo. Because at some point in time, I remember the Blue Bulls uh, and, and as well as the Springbok, the first starting um, uh, from position number one to number eight. You could tell almost all of the players, if not all, um, the half of the players were from Limpopo. So let's talk about the issue of transformation, looking at the transformation of black guys representing the country within the Springbok team, within the region, uh, within the other clubs, talking about the Blue Bulls, uh, talking about um, the EP, uh, Eastern Province Rugby Union, and the likes of the Sharks, and of course, transformation when it comes to having a different province representing the country within the Springbok. Yeah, uh, making very, very valid, valid points uh, in your questions. I think when when you look at when you look at transformation, I, I always look at it in, in, in this sense: you get automatic transformation, uh, and then you get active transformation. Now, how I explain that is this: automatic transformation is taking a kid. Uh, is a kid from the township getting the same opportunities to attend a school that help him um, be in the same rugby field as Mark and 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 Jonathan, and there's no difference between the, what resources I use, and I go all the way up the ranks, and we're basically the same. Yeah, well, then active transformation mm. is taking a kid from the township, giving him a scholarship so he can join that setup at a later stage. The best example is Osia Golis. Yeah. So when you're looking at the Eastern Cape, the reason why the Eastern Cape has produced a lot of black players who have gone on to, to, to represent South Africa or be prominent in our rugby circles goes back to the issue of the schools. The schools um, in the Eastern Cape, which are, are held at a high esteem when it comes to rugby, they don't have soccer. Oh. So there isn't competition. But when you go to regions like Johannesburg, you know, how dang you've got a variety of sports on offer. So maybe a lot of the talent pool there is split between the sports, you know. And, you mm. know, historically, the, the, the conversation has always been about black players who like to play soccer and the, 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 the white guys who will, will go to Iraq, which is not necessarily true, you know, but you understand where people are coming from with that, you know, on, on a general scale. So I think for me, and that is that is the that is why the Eastern Cape is producing. There is no competition between rugby and soccer and other sporting codes. When you're from the Eastern Cape, I'm from the Eastern Cape. You want to play first team rugby for your school, and the Sharks are always trying to scout from the Eastern Cape. Similarly, what you said was important when you mentioned Limpopo, right? The Bulls, their region in Pretoria doesn't necessarily 
um, produce players of color. So what the Bulls do is they go to Limpopo, which is like a, a, a partnership they have, you know. Uh, and then that's where they get the, the, the black players from. The likes of Uchili Poiralapel is an example. Trevor Nyakane, even though he started at the Cheetahs, but he's from the, the, that Limpopo area where he represented the Bulls at a at, at provincial level. And, you know, that's a tricky one to say because, you know, there are lots of soccer teams in Limpopo, so it, I can't tell, you know, how yeah. they produce many black players go on to play right now. But, but you know, yeah. in, in Cape, I know for sure that there's no competition. You know, you grow up, you want to play first team rugby, you want to play for the Sharks, you want to be scouted, and that's how it happens. So I, wanted, to Cape. I actually wanted yes. to ask you why are there are so many cross-up uh, <laughs> rugby players instead of any other one, with any other tribe, <laughs> without sounding tribalistic, you answered it for me without me having to ask. <laughs> wow. Now, now, I mean, still on the issue of transformation, um, sure. we are yet to see black coaches. Where are they? Black coaches are there, they're alive. This is the best moment in time for black coaches. I happen to know a few. I happen to interact with a few um, because I am, you know, fortunate enough to be in the Eastern Cape space, you know. So some of them, uh, I, I there's a coach who, by the name of Opira Nomlomo, is now uh, part of the Sharks setup uh, with, the, with the senior side. He has done so much at school level and was scouted first at EP and then EP fell apart and then he went back to, to school, Starborn. He created two phenomenal teams. They proved his acumen as a young black coach and now he's at the Sharks. You're looking at a player, you're looking at a coach like Umzwandile uh, Stick, who is the South African assistant coach, if you may, even though they don't give those guys tags, you know. He also paid his dues, you know. The other assistant coach of the of the of the Springboks is, is a is a person of color as well. Dion Davis. So they there, you know. Uh, I interact a lot with the Vuyo Zanga, who's a seventh legend. He's coached at EP, but now he can't get into our system. He has to go and coach and continue winning trophies in Germany and in Russia. You know, it's, 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 the coaches are there. It's just a matter of, of getting those opportunities. He's doing a very good job within the line set up, getting his reward for being the SA schools coach and doing so well at kids as a first team coach. But my, my take on that is the coaches, uh, there the needs to be a pioneer of some sort, you know. I think he's at the top of that, of that, of that um, hierarchy at the moment. And... As he does well, it will filter down to the guys below. And those guys, as they continue to come up in their particular franchises and unions, then they will change the era of their yeah. coach. I think we've got enough. Let's just be patient and let's hope that they'll get the opportunity soon. There are plenty. No, most definitely, man. My question to you is uh, about the Springbok Sevens. And my last question is about the Springbok Sevens. Uh, and at the Olympics, man, what's what's your view on that? Yeah, I think that, that that's the one medal that that, that has eluded them. Um, and now the the thing with sevens is you're always going through transitions. You know, a lot of players. It's it's hard being a sevens coach. I can imagine because you take a player like Rasmus Pittman is is crucial to the sevens, 
And then all of a sudden, Roscoe Speckman wakes up tomorrow and he says, hey, but I can also go for the World Cup, you know, uh, and mm. play 15s, right? So that's, that's, that's what's happened now for, for the Springbok 7s. You get it, Roscoe Speckman, you've got Siabelo Sinatla, you've got Werner Koch, you've got all of these players who are pivotal to the 7s team all of a sudden saying, we want to try 15s rugby at a crucial time. So mm. they are going through a bit of a transition period, uh, but they will come out strong because they've always had those kids who are bubbling under, traveling with these experiences. It's just a matter of them acclimatizing before getting to the Olympics. My expectations on them at the Olympics, I don't want to place them too high like because of what I've just said now, the transition period, you know. So I, I'm we always produce when it comes to sevens. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cling on to that hope and faith and, and we'll see we'll see how, how good we do the Olympics. I think we'll be competitive, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, sweet stuff, man. Uh, yes, uh, I have a question concerning the players who have been banned. Um, looking at uh, the substance that they've taken, let's talk about uh, the likes of Chili Boy, uh, Rally Pele, recently the Apiwe, Janchi. What's, what's your take on this issue? Because, I mean, from some a different view, someone might say that is it an attack on black players to say that maybe if we question the issue of transformation, they might raise the, uh, the 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 point to say that okay, but we give you chance, give players yeah, black players chance to play for the Springbok, but they yeah, they tested positive on certain substance, the likes of chili bora, the likes of um um Apiwe Janji because I mean when we hear the Apiwe Janji saying that he didn't take any supplement, but that probably could could have been something that he drank and unaware that it has this sub, uh, substance in, in within the, the drink. So what's your take on this issue of players being um, banned to play rugby uh, because of the substance that have taken? Yeah, you see, on this topic, I have to tread a bit carefully because I don't know all of the facts, of course, and they are still being, especially in Apiwe Gianchi's case, is still a bit delicate here and there. The verdict, as we know for now, is, is still guilty. Um, so that's as much as we know. I think that I, the, the cases are isolated. So a lot of people in Chile say he's, he's had so many offenses. So maybe it is his thing. But uh, in an interview, one of my my freelance gigs, that's my main freelance gigs, uh, did with Uchili. I wrote the article as well. He maintains his innocence throughout. You know, and, and with him, the, the situation is tricky because they say his uh his samples were kept at the lab for mm. tempered so he has a feeling that they were tempered with because they shouldn't have been at a person's house you know what i'm saying so that's yes. why I'm saying the cases are always uh tricky because they are isolated cases because people look at this case and a lot of people will say there's no way an athlete doesn't know what he's drinking you know what i'm saying you've got so many resources because so many people telling you don't just drink anything because you are this person now, you know? There's yes. so many. For me, I've always said, what is the motive for a person setting up a pure You know, because a lot that has been the narrative. But he was set up, they don't want him to go to the World Cup because it's black, whatever. Because mm. the next black person, the next person was a black person, which is my, my pain, you know? So, um, I don't want to look at those cases and say there's an attack on black players. But at the same time, I can't I can't confirm that you know that there isn't. I can't know for sure. 
but I don't want to look at it in that gaze at the moment. Uh, especially with these two uh, cases. I think they, they have both have lives of their own, and I'm not too sure they're too racially uh, connected, to be honest with you. There are things that the system can be blamed on and you can question, but with these two cases, I don't want to bring uh, uh, the case of black people, or black players in the system are being treated unfairly and being yeah. taken out. I don't think these are the cases. No, I hear you, man. Look, we've got a, a lawyer listening in right now, so you can just say whatever, and then just say allegedly, you'll be fine. Don't stress. <laughs> hey, Don't stress. Thanks <laughs> for that advice, man. Hey. <laughs> All right, man. Yoza, thank you very much for joining us, bro. It's been a pleasure. You've enlightened me on so much that I didn't know, and I thank everybody else uh, listening right now, and even the gents and a part of the band club definitely, definitely learned a lot. Thank you very much for joining us, man. All right, thank you so much, guys. Man, I appreciate you even are, thinking about Are we winning against the British and uh, Lions? Hey, I'm going to say we're going to take it 2-1. Um, so that's my prediction. I think they will they will be firing. I think maybe in the first game we might be caught a bit unawares, but I think that will be the spark for the rest of the series and we might come back and win the next two games. And hopefully... Yeah, no, definitely... Soon. We're gonna hold. We're gonna hold. You, we're gonna hold you to that uh, prediction. If we lose, we're gonna bring you back up here and be like, Chief, what did you say?" <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us. And don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the follow button. We are the Band Club SA on all platforms and like our glass friend our favorite friend with glasses likes to say tell your grandmother if you want to send your reactions at the water plan is 064 9947 it's been another beautiful episode educating you on the world of sports from us at the banter club it's another one peace and we are out join us every week on the banter club <laughs>